We are finally back. After taking a couple months off, we are so happy to be returning with new weekly episodes. And this week, we're sharing Bobby's birth story. How after five total visits to labor and delivery, he ended up in an unscheduled but successful C-section and the hardest hospital recovery I've ever had. Why we had to stay an extra day in the hospital, but also some of the miracles and tender mercies we experienced, including an update on how my postpartum depression has gone this time around. I am so excited to be back. Are you excited now? I am. It's It's been been a minute. A really long time, and we did not mean for it to go quite this long, but man, five kids and coming back off maternity leave, and it's just been a lot of figuring things out and a lot of great intention to podcast again, but I was telling my mom last week, she said, oh, I checked to see if you guys had a podcast episode, and I noticed you still didn't have one, and I just said, it's just one of those things that we haven't figured out how to add into the schedule, and especially since you have to have a perfectly silent room with a brand new baby. That's actually a little bit hard to coordinate too. So we finally got it figured out this week. And now that we're going, I promise they'll be coming out every week once again, just like they always have for the last four years. So we're super excited to be back and super grateful that if you're here listening, that you are part of this and that you're spending your time with us. So today I am super excited also to be sharing Bobby's birth story. I personally always love birth stories. I like to read them. I like to watch videos about them. And we did a podcast episode about Harry's birth story, partially because at the time my postpartum depression was, I was on such a struggle bus at the time that I could not sit and focus and write about it. And the podcast episode was the best I could do. I am feeling so much better. We're going to get to that toward the end of this episode and how that just has been truly a miracle in our lives. But anyway, that was such a great experience for me to be able to just speak freely with Neil openly, recall the whole experience that I really wanted to do it again for Bobby's birth story too. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So about a week before Bobby was born. So Bobby was born on January 5th of this year. And I was on bed rest for six months in case you missed that. We kept having these milestones, right? Like during my pregnancy, it was like, okay, we just got to make it to my birthday was kind of right around the viability age of like, if we can keep this baby inside of me, at least till my birthday, then he's going to survive or he has a much better chance of surviving. Then Neil's birthday on November 9th was the next kind of milestone of, okay, he'll be this many weeks. I think it was like 30 weeks by your birthday. So it was like, okay, that will be a great milestone to make it that far. And then Thanksgiving was another great milestone. But the ultimate was we just need to make it to Christmas because Christmas was just before 36 weeks. And 36 weeks is a for a lot of people when their doctor will take them off of bed rest. So Christmas day was like 35 and five, I think for me, or 35 and four or something like that, just shy of 36 weeks. So I thought, okay, Christmas is an easy date if we can just make it there. And we did, we made it to Christmas. I was super careful. And on Christmas day, we got our whole family dressed up. We went to church, we worshiped Jesus. It was so joyful and wonderful. And I was just like, wow, we made it. I can't believe we made it. And I remember going to the doctor right after that and 
remember the nurse? She was just like, I cannot believe we got you to 36 weeks. It does pass. The time does go by. And we still keep talking about, I can't believe we did that. I can't believe we did this six month of bed rest pregnancy. While it felt like the slowest half year of my life in some ways, that that end part went pretty fast. Do you agree? Once we got into the holidays. And we knew that we were almost there. Yeah. Then it seemed like it went really quick. I think July to November were the slowest months of my life. But then once we hit Thanksgiving and Christmas and in the spirit of the holidays, things went fast. So anyway, Christmas hit. Then it was Christmas break. And we hadn't been to the temple in months. And if you know me, you know that is literally my favorite place on earth is the temple. So I told Neil, the one place I really want to go is the temple. And since we're so close now, let's go. So we made an appointment and we, I think we went to lunch first and then we went to the temple. If I remember right, we went to our favorite little spot, Rose Bakery Cafe, which is close to the Newport Beach Temple. We went to the temple. So it's a lot of walking, like even Neil pulling me up right up close to the front door. You walk up the stairs, you walk into the temple, you check in, you walk back to a dressing room, you change into white clothing that you do your temple work in. So you change out of the street clothes that you came in into temple clothes. And then you change back into your street clothes when you're done and you walk out of the temple. So it's for someone who's been sitting on bed rest for six months, it was quite a bit of movement that I wasn't used to. And I felt okay until two or three hours later, maybe, we got home and I started having contractions. So my contractions were like six to seven minutes apart. And this was on a Wednesday night. So I called labor and delivery and they said, you got to go in, you got to get checked. And for me, I am a repeat C-section patient. So I've had, at this time, I had had four C-sections. And the more C-sections you've had, the more times your uterus has been cut into, the more you're at a risk of uterine rupture if you're sitting at home and your uterus is contracting. So they don't want to take any chances. They don't want you at home having a uterine rupture. So if you're having contractions that close, my doctor told me, if you have more than four in an hour, you have to call. So that was definitely more than four in an hour. I called and they said, come in. So we went into labor and delivery. That actually was a Wednesday night. So we already had a babysitter here because usually you go to your 12-step ARP meeting on Wednesday nights. So that was kind of a little tender mercy that we already had someone here for childcare. And instead of going to the meeting, we went to labor and delivery. And we met Tanya, who was a big piece of this whole story. She was just the most wonderful nurse that I've ever had. But we met Tanya and she was like, hi, I'm going to be your nurse and checked me in to labor and delivery. And, you know, we, we were there for, I think, two-ish hours, start to finish. And they just monitored my contractions and watched them and just said, okay, well, we'll see if you, if your contractions increase or if you're if you have any cervical change and while my contractions stayed pretty consistent six to seven minutes apart for those two hours I wasn't dilating so what they decided to do was give me a shot a steroid shot and then send me home and the steroids were there to try to like get the baby's lungs to develop quickly just in case he did come early Anyway, while we were there talking to Tanya, I'm trying to remember, how did it come up that we... 
had a mutual mm-hmm. friend. Yes. We had so, a mutual friend. A mutual friend. But she figured that out because she asked where we were from. That's what it was. She said, where are you guys from? And, oh, no, I'm sorry. Now I'm remembering. She said, do you have any family here? And I said, no, we don't have any family. She was like, oh, that's got to be hard. I'm sorry. And I was like, well, we did it to ourselves. Like, we moved away from family. We're, we're both from Utah and all of our families there. And she looked at us and said, you're from Utah? Are you LDS? And I said, yeah, which is another way to say member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So anyway, we started making all these connections. Once you figure out that you're in the same church, typically in our church, at least, like you're one person away from anyone that you meet pretty much anywhere in the world. You can almost always find a one person away connection, which is what we did immediately. We found out that we had mutual friends. One of Neil's good friends was the husband of her best friend. So yeah, we started making all these connections and it was kind of like it went from just this really nice nurse to this really nice nurse who then we had a really personal connection with. And because she's a member of the church, the same church as us, I was like, okay, well, now that I know that you understand what this means, I was at the temple earlier today and moving around a lot. And I think that's what caused me to start having contractions more close together. And she was so wonderful with us. And I got those steroid shots and she said, okay, I'm going to give you the steroid shot really slow so it doesn't hurt as much. And that was that. We we got sent home and then they said, okay, you have to come back 24 hours later and do everything you can to lay really low for the next 48 hours so that these steroids can kick in. And if the baby comes, then this will help develop his lungs, but you have to give it a full 48 hours for it to have a full effect. So I went home and laid as low as possible. And in the meantime, my family all started showing up because they came for the Rose Bowl. So the next day when we went into labor and delivery, it was a zoo, just like the medical professionals the day before had predicted. It's about to get really busy in here. And I said, really? Why? And they were like, because people want to come in and have their babies before the year starts over, before their deductibles start over, before the tax credit starts over for the new year. And I was like, oh, really? Wow. Okay. And sure enough, when I went back 24 hours later to get my second steroid shot, because you have to have two, it was a zoo. There were so many people and it was kind of like, okay, we're going to get you checked in and out as fast as possible. And I just looked at Neil and said, I don't want anything to do with this. I want to get out of here. I don't want to have my baby while there's so many other people and it's so rushed and it feels so chaotic in here. So that second shot hurt a lot worse. The second nurse was not quite as gentle. <laughs> she kind of like, I it was very aggressive with how fast she gave me that steroid shot. And people had said, oh, that's one of the most painful things I've ever had in my life. And I thought, really, it wasn't too bad because Tanya was so wonderful with the first shot and how she did it really slow and it didn't hurt that bad. The second night, I was like, wow, yeah, I there are a few things that have hurt that bad in my life than getting that second steroid shot. We went home. My whole family was in town. We watched the bowl games, had yummy Japanese food. I stayed down on the couch for the next couple of days. And then I saw my doctor the next, let's see, I think on Tuesday. I wasn't supposed to see her till Friday, but we, they said, you need to call first thing Monday morning and get back in to see her. She wasn't there because it was still technically holiday Monday, even though it was January 2nd. It was like New Year's Day observed. So I saw her the next day on 
on Tuesday and she said, okay, if you want to go off of Procardia Thursday at midnight, then you're technically 37 weeks on Friday. So if you want to, you can go off the Procardia, then you'll probably go into labor. She said, if you want me to deliver your baby, you can wait till Sunday and I'll be working Monday and I could deliver your baby then, but you're probably safe to go off of it Thursday. We went home and I kind of took it upon myself. And by the way, if you don't know what Procardia is, it was the drug that was helping keep my contractions under control. And I had been taking it for several months and that was what was helping keep Bobby inside of me and not go into total full-blown labor. By Wednesday night, and you have to know that for a full week, I was having on and off contractions that were painful, difficult, hard to sleep through, hard to function through. So by Wednesday night, I was like, I am so done with this. And I told Neil, I'm going off Procardia tonight. And he said, really, are you sure you want to do that? Don't you want to wait till the doctor? And I was like, one day is not going to make a difference. And I genuinely thought it's going to take a minute for this to get out of my system. So if I go off of it tonight, then probably it'll take like tomorrow too. And then we'll show up on Friday maybe, or maybe it'll take over the weekend. And I didn't really know how that was going to go, but we went off. I went off of Procardia Wednesday night, Thursday morning. I woke up and was having contractions seven to 10 minutes apart. I started timing them. I had a little app and the little app tells you like, it's time to go to the hospital. And that little notification popped up like it had several times over the last week when I had been into in and out of labor and delivery. And I just remembered that we did, we went into labor and delivery one more time too on Sunday. Like I, my parents were in town, but staying in Anaheim, I woke my sister up to go wake my parents up to go come to our house and hang out with our kids while we went to get checked. I had been, we'd been to labor and delivery four times at that point, And I was just sick of it. When I woke up with contractions on Thursday morning, seven to 10 minutes apart, and it's the app said, go to the hospital. I was kind of like, oh man, I don't want to go in there and get sent home again. But I also kind of had a feeling like, I think this is the real thing. I think we might be having this baby today. So I didn't eat. I didn't eat for like a few hours. And then I started to get kind of hangry. Like I was grumpy. I was hungry. And Neil was like, I think you just need to eat something. But the contractions were kind of all over the place. Like I said, seven, 10 minutes apart, not perfectly consistent yet. So finally, I was like, okay, fine. So we got in the car. I was like, I want an acai bowl. So we drive over to Bonsai Bowl. It's pouring rain, which makes no sense. Like who wants a bonsai? Who wants an acai bowl when it's freezing cold and like Southern California's version of a winter storm? (laughs) But that's what sounded good to me. So he got me this acai bowl. I start eating it and my contractions start happening five minutes apart. And I'm timing them and they are happening every five minutes. And I just looked at Neil and said, I think I have to call. So I called labor and delivery. And of course, I knew they were going to say this. They were like, yep, you have to go in and get checked. So we drove over to the hospital and I was like, dang it, I shouldn't have eaten this bonsai bowl. But it was really good. So I was like half regretting it and half like, well, I feel a lot better now. We show up and Tanya was there again. She actually had been there three of the times that we went in. So the fir- that first time we went in and then again on Sunday and then that Thursday, the day Bobby was born, she was there too and was like, I had a feeling I was going to see you guys. And it just felt like such a sweet, tender mercy to see her and to have that familiar face. 
And it was so nice, too, that she was like, you are in a lot more pain than the other times that I've seen you. Like, she recognized that immediately. I couldn't talk through these contractions. I was trying to walk into the bathroom and change. I had the whole thing down. Like, oh, yeah, you go in, you change into the hospital gown, you pee in the cup. Like, I knew the whole drill at that point. And I had to stop, like, as I was walking into the bathroom because I couldn't walk through a contraction. I couldn't talk through them. So they were like, yeah, this is different. They started monitoring me, and sure enough, those contractions stayed consistent five minutes apart. And Dr. James, who is like a fan favorite in South Orange County, so many women love him. He was the doctor on call. I had never met him. I didn't know him, but I had heard his name before. I didn't really know anything else other than that, hearing his name and knowing that a lot of people loved him. But Tanya came and said, Dr. James says that he'll, if if you're okay with it, he'll do your C-section today. And I was like, yes. So things started moving pretty fast after that. But okay, so this has been all me up until this point, Neil. What was your, how are you feeling at this point after all of the revolving door labor and delivery and all the contractions and all of the stuff and finally hitting that point Thursday morning where it was like, okay, we're doing this. I think I was ready. I mean, by then and <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, we're here. We've been waiting on this thing for six months, seven months. Well, six and nine. But who's let's counting? do it. Yeah. Well, with the bed rest with component. Bed rest. But but yeah, at that point, I was like, all right, we're good to go. Let's let's make it happen. So and that's the great thing. I mean, C-section obviously is not like the first go to for, for good reason. But knowing that we had a C-section, that was like a it's it's kind of smooth because it can be scheduled. It can be once of, you know it's once happening, you know it's going. Yeah, it can be kind of quick. Like they just tee it up, get it. You know, you roll into the OR, and I kind of knew that whole breakdown. So yeah, it was it was nice. You're a pro at this at this point. Well, also, what was a little bit of a conundrum was that I had eaten because they tell you don't eat before surgery. But Dr. James was like, well, I don't want to wait because we're waiting on a possible uterine rupture risk. The anesthesiologist came in, though, and he talked to us and was like, "Okay, you just have to know the risk of if we do your surgery that you're running the risk of like you could aspirate. You could if we have to put you under whatever, like there's there's risks of you've eaten recently and then you are getting any kind of anesthesia, whether it's like going completely under even just the spinal block. Honestly, Dr. James was like, the risk is so low. Like, it's better for us to just do this C-section right away. And I felt good about that. You felt good about it, right? Yeah. And we were just like, let's just do this. So they kept quizzing me like, well, what did you eat? And I'll say, well, how much was in it? Well, what else was in it? Did you have nuts in it? Did it have granola in it? I mean, they were like really trying to weigh the options. But I think they were like, we got to just do this. And and Dr. James did not want to wait. He was like, I want to do this now. I don't want because they said, yeah, we have an OR open at 5 p.m. But he was like, I don't want to wait all day. I want like, let's get this done now. There's no reason to wait. Things moved pretty fast after that. And again, like Tanya was there. She was able to advocate for us and help us kind of get things moving. And we had great nurses, amazing medical staff. And I was really nervous too about the possibility of an accreta, which is because I had had placenta previa. I did all of this research and I never would have known, like ignorance is bliss. I never would have known that this was a possible complication. But the more C-sections you have, the more you are a possible risk of your placenta attaching to your uterus and then 
you know, having to do a hysterectomy or having bleeding or whatever. And so my doctor had said, we have to do your C-section at the bigger of the two hospitals that she worked at just to make sure there was plenty of blood, plenty of staff, plenty of everything just in case something went wrong. So the one thing that was super different going into this delivery was that there were a lot of possible complications swirling around in my mind that had never really even been something for me to consider with any of our other babies because I just didn't know any better. I didn't even know what these possible risks were. It was really a blessing that we got in there and Dr. James was just efficient. Like he just made things happen so fast. And then Tanya also was able to go back and forth and say, hey, everything looks good. Your scar tissue looks great. It was just so nice to feel like after all the complications, all of the craziness that we went through medically, that the delivery was pretty smooth, don't you think? Yeah. No, it went very, very smooth with everything that could have gone wrong and everything we were worried about. So to be, I think just to get to that point where we're like, okay, here it is. Everything's where I was almost waiting. I'm almost was was thinking, okay, What's the next like, oh, thing? is there something to come? There's yeah. going to be a complication, and we were just really lucky and blessed. and blessed, and we're grateful that things went as awesome as they did. It almost felt surreal to be in there and have them prepping me for surgery and and things moved so fast too. And then I felt like we were in there for five minutes. We, it wasn't five minutes, but it felt so fast that all of a sudden Dr. James was like, all right, it's time. Is everybody ready? It's time. I'm going to pull them out. And it was so funny because all of my kids love to hear the story of what song was playing during their birth. Funny enough, we weren't totally sure and set on Bobby's name quite yet. The song that has the line, what's your name? Who's your daddy? Was on. The old like 60s song. Yes. And it was just making me laugh. Like I was kind of tearing up too because I was just having all these emotions of feeling relieved and overwhelmed. And then I was laughing because that song came on and I was like, oh, I will always remember this, that that song came on and we're not quite sure yet what this baby's name is. And and then, yeah, Dr. James said, he's coming. Everybody ready? And then he pulled him out. And this has never happened with any of my other babies, but they pulled the they pulled the sheet down and he held the baby up right then and said, hi, mom, I love you. And I just started crying. It was just this like beautiful emotional moment of, oh my gosh, this baby is here. And that, And it feels that way with every baby, but it just was extra special that I felt like one second after he was born, I got to see him. Because with the other babies, at varying times, I would see them a minute later or maybe 30 seconds later with Annabelle, with our first baby. It was like full five, 10 minutes before I got to see Annie because they had new nurses there that were getting trained. And I still remember that anesthesiologist saying, guys, can mom see baby yet? Guys, can you... Can you bring baby over to mom yet? He was really great. He was totally advocating for me and watch, looking out for me. But that was an unexpected, really sweet little tender surprise for me to be able to see Bobby like basically the second he was born. I've never seen any of our babies that fast. And 
And that was really special for me. I'll just never forget it. He holding him up over the curtain and he's just like with his little flailing arms. I don't know. It's just like a cute little memory in my mind. I wish we had a picture of that moment because that was a really cool moment. But Neil is so great too. He knows at this point, like take his iPhone over and go take pictures as they're weighing the baby and getting him cleaned up and stuff. So he did that. And tell me though, like what that was like for you in those next few moments, like right after Bobby was born. Oh, it is like, it's kind of, it's surreal because all of a sudden there's a life. There's Mm -hmm. just a baby. It's kind of like, here you go. They just, it just appears and he's, he's there. And so they're running all the different things and wiping him down and weighing him and getting all the stats and checking to make sure he's good. And I do feel a little bit bad because I'm, it's, I'm the one enjoying that moment. I I'm always too. thinking, okay, how can we get the baby to mom faster here? So as soon as I could, I got him over to you and we got some cool pictures of the three of us. And Tanya took a picture of, of the three of us together yeah. and, and, you know, it was, it was really fun, but that was extremely quick and efficient and yeah. it was just boom, done super fast, which was really good. I mean, that was, that was great. Yeah. And So we had him at Saddleback Hospital, which if you happen to live in South Orange County, they're so amazing there. Just I feel like most of the nurses we met had been there for decades and just they are a well-oiled machine. They really, really care about their patients. I just had such an amazing experience there. And they prioritized getting Bobby right over to me for skin to skin. They asked, like, do you want to do skin to skin? And I was like, yes. And they were like, okay, we can't guarantee it. But as long as he's doing okay, we'll, we'll try our best to give you skin to skin. And they brought him right over and put him on my chest. And as a C-section mom, that's something that isn't always guaranteed. And I didn't have it with each of my births. And so the couple of times that it has happened, that's super special to me to be able to like have the baby right there, put him on your chest, feel like you still experienced as much as possible of that immediate bonding that that you would get if you had had a vaginal birth. So that was really special to me as well. At this point, I've had so many C-sections that I kind of know how it goes. Like, okay, dad's going to leave with baby. They're going to finish me up and then eventually they'll roll me out and then we all get reunited. And so that's what happened. So closing me up went really well. It was super fast and I felt like we were all reunited pretty quickly. And that first 24 hours was kind of a dream. And they do this new thing, at least at Saddleback Hospital, where you get a block where they do this like it's it's optional, but they can give you this like pain block where you don't feel any pain for the first like 24 hours. And that was great. I felt awesome for that first 24 hours. But then once that started to wear off, I had probably the most difficult hospital recovery that I've had of all of the kids. I mean, I just... By the next day in the evening, the pain got really bad, so bad that I started saying, what can I take other than just Advil and Tylenol? And they tried out a stronger painkiller. And for whatever reason, I had a really bad reaction to that. And so I was passing out every time I tried to stand up to go to the bathroom, dizzy, passing out from pain, passing out from this painkiller, not jiving well with my body. And then I got mastitis, which I've gotten with every single baby within the first like three to four days. But this happened quicker than it has with any other baby, which in some ways was a tender mercy because we were in the hospital and the hospital staff could help 
kind of deal with that. But for whatever reason, also the antibiotic they put me on didn't really work. So then my mastitis got even worse. My fever spiked to 104. So there were just lots of complications and I was pretty miserable. I realized just how bad my recovery was when I looked at all of my stuff as we were packing up to go home and noticed that I hadn't touched my makeup at all, which with all my other babies, I was able to get ready a little bit and take some cute pictures in the hospital. And this recovery was so rough that I didn't feel well enough to get myself ready even one day for the rest of the hospital stay. So it really was a super rough recovery, but we had some really tender mercy things happen too. So I had to stay an extra day because of that 104 degree fever. My doctor came in and just said, we've got to keep you an extra day. We can't send you home for at least 24 hours once you've had a fever that high. And she said, Bobby is going to be discharged, but you are not. So he can stay with you since you're a nursing brand new mom or he's a brand new baby. But he has to have 24-hour adult supervision since you are the hospital patient. So Neil had to stay with me 24-7 to be the one taking care of Bobby since he was no longer a hospital patient while the hospital took care of me. And my mom happened to fly into town that day. So it worked out perfectly where she came to the hospital, she got to see Bobby, and then she went home and slept at our house while Neil stayed overnight at the hospital with me. And then we got to go home the next day, which was so nice. It was so nice to have my mom here too. That was really such a blessing. The last time when I had Harry, I didn't realize just how much I missed my mom and having her around. I mean, I knew I would miss her, but it just made such a huge difference to have my mom around to help me recover. Another really tender thing was watching the kids' reactions. Didn't you think that was just so sweet having all of them meet Bobby? No, absolutely. I think they were just amazing with him. And that's always a sweet and tender moment. By the way, if you hear him, he's woken up now from his nap. So he's just sitting in my lap. But I was a little apprehensive about how Harry might react to Bobby since Harry's the only boy. Harry's the youngest. Harry and I had a really close, sweet, little tender relationship because while I was on bed rest, he would just come and sit on my bed with me and read books with me. And we spent a lot of one-on-one time together. So I was nervous about how that might go. And from the moment that he met Bobby and every moment since, he has been so sweet. He'll just come into my room and say, can I see baby brother? And he'll say, can I come on your bed? And he's just very tender with him which is so not what I expected. I had very low expectations of Harry having even any interest in Bobby, let alone being nice to him. Part of what I think that is, is these kids had such ownership in bringing this baby to our family. You know, they had to pitch in. They had to be part of the experience. They had to really work and fight for this baby to safely make it into our family and into our home. It felt like such a sweet reunion to see all of them. And we put those little videos on Instagram. And I every time I watch them, it just makes me super emotional because it was kind of that final, like crossing the finish line. It didn't feel complete to me until we brought him home and he met everybody. Like it was so sweet to meet Bobby, but it was kind of the ultimate ending of a really 
long road when he finally got to come home and be part of our family. At least I felt. So really the last thing I feel like we need to share that was such a miracle. Truly, there are no other words for me to describe it other than a miracle is how much different this experience has been from my last with postpartum depression. And probably a couple weeks after, maybe 10 days, two weeks after having Bobby, I started feeling those same feelings of postpartum depression come back. And I kind of started freaking out, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think you did a lot better with this this go around. But I mean, obviously, when it starts to happen, you, you know, it's super alarming and concerning. Alarming is the right word. I was, it was almost like the thought of having postpartum depression again, put me into a panic. And I just started crying and, and kept crying about it and just felt panicked overall about experiencing that again. And I just kept saying, I cannot be this person again because my postpartum depression with Harry was so bad that for a full year, I did not feel like myself. It was hard for me to get out of bed. It was hard for me to function. It was hard for me to even focus on reading more than one verse a day out of my scriptures. Like I just was not myself. And it was such a dark, difficult time for me and for our family. And The real miracle was that after I started feeling those things and looked around and said, okay, I've I've done everything that I did last time, which was go to my doctor, go to a psychiatrist, get help with my mental health. I was like, what else can I do? So some of these all natural solutions that I thought, well, maybe I could try this and maybe I could try that. And I kind of came up with a few different things to help with each of the different symptoms of postpartum depression that I was experiencing, which were difficulty with having any energy to get out of bed and difficulty with my hormones just being all over the place and difficulty with mood and mood swings and whatever. Those three things I found all natural solutions to, which I've shared in a real series on my Instagram. And It's just been, it has felt like a miracle that I've not only felt like myself, but the best I have ever felt mentally and emotionally after the birth of a baby. And to me, that feels like a miracle after how hard it was with Harry. Oh, definitely. I think, yeah, I noticed that you did a lot better. I think you're better prepared this time and and knowing and looking into different options was super helpful to be, to be ready for that. So it was helpful to see I, I just night and day contrast from Harry to Bobby from my perspective. And I think there's a few things to point out here. First of all, I think that I had to experience the full depth and darkness and difficulty of postpartum depression to have the right kind of compassion and understanding to really be able to relate to other moms and even just other people in general who go through true depression or other serious mental health struggles because it was like a fight for my life that whole year. I understand just how hard and how heavy and how deep that can be. And we've done other podcast episodes about that, but I feel like I had to experience that to grow in my compassion and understanding of others. So, and then also... Bobby's little burp. 
Also, this time, I feel like I wasn't afraid like I was last time. Last time, when I started to feel those feelings of postpartum depression, I still felt shame. I still felt like, oh, I don't want to go on medication. I hated that the first time around. I don't want to resort to that. There was so much shame still for me around medication that I fought it and I fought it and I fought it. And Neil encouraged me and my mom encouraged me like, hey, you really should just get some help. Go talk to a doctor. And it took me, I don't know, six, seven weeks before I fought, of, of being completely miserable and dysfunctional before I finally was like, okay, yeah, you're right. I need to ask for help. This time around, I was like, oh, no we're, we're going to get ahead of this. We're going to get on top of it as quickly as possible. I was talking to my doctor right away. And then I was like, what else can I do? What other natural solutions can I look into? And will these work for everyone and anyone? Probably not. Maybe not. Everyone's body chemistry, makeup, it's different. People react to different medications and supplements and things like that differently. But I feel like the contrast of what we went through last time and what I learned from it, and then the way I was able to handle that same challenge when it started to come up again this time, it feels like I was able to take something really hard, like the lemons, and make lemonade out of it and feel like, okay, I can not only use this to learn for my own good, but also be open about it, talk about it, help other women not feel shame, and then help them to know it's okay to go ask for help. It's okay to talk to your doctor. It's okay to take medication if that's what you need. You wouldn't feel ashamed to take medication for, you know, if you were having asthma and you needed an inhaler or if you had diabetes and you needed insulin. Like, we don't feel shame for those things. We shouldn't feel shame for a condition like postpartum depression where your body is chemically completely out of whack after growing a human inside of your body and then, you know, having that human come out of you and then all of the hormonal changes that you go through. It's so brutal and it's okay to have some help and to ask for help. That's why it's there. And so I just feel like it was such a great learning experience for me to also be able to use it for good and to help empower other people and to help people feel like they're not alone and that they know what to do and that hopefully I can be the kind of person that someone might look at and go, I want, I feel a little bit ashamed of this or I want to go to that shame place, but it was okay for her. And so maybe it's okay for me. And I hope that that's what some people who are struggling with this or may down the road can look at this and say, oh, this is someone that I know who had a positive experience or she was able to overcome this. And so I think I can too, or I can ask for help or I can use other things to help me. And it also just feels like a miracle. I really was feeling kind of like you said earlier in the podcast where you said you were waiting for the next bad thing to happen or hard thing to happen. When those feelings of postpartum depression came back, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be my next, like I'm buried in our bedroom and can't come out because I have postpartum depression. I want to say that I asked for this miracle. I expected it just like our prophet in our church Russell M. Nelson has said, seek and expect miracles. I really felt like I went to God and said, if it's your will and if we can work on this together, I so badly want to be present for this last baby. I want to enjoy this. I don't want to look back 
like I did with Harry and feel like I was so buried in postpartum depression that I missed it. And I feel like this was just a huge gift and miracle that God gave to me that I found natural solutions. I was able to suddenly start feeling more like myself and I have felt so good. So I'm just super grateful for that. I'm going to read this part from the talk, The Power of Spiritual Momentum, that Russell M. Nelson gave a year ago. So he said, The Lord will bless you with miracles if you believe in Him, doubting nothing. Do the spiritual work to seek miracles. Prayerfully ask God to help you exercise that kind of faith. I promise that you can experience for yourself that Jesus Christ giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Few things will accelerate your spiritual momentum more than realizing the Lord is helping you move a mountain in your life. That says it right there for me in this scripture. To them that have no might, he increased the strength. I feel like that's exactly what happened to me. I did a lot of the talking today, but I hope you enjoyed hearing Bobby's birth story. And that if you are going through any kind of a mental health struggle right now, that this will hopefully help give you a little bit of hope and reassurance that things can get better and do get better oftentimes and for me it did and and I'm just super grateful for that and for both the hard things that we went through and the light at the end of the tunnel and you can't have that joy if without the contrast we couldn't have felt all of the relief that we felt at the end of this experience of bed rest and all of the things we went through to get Bobby here if we hadn't gone through all of that so do you have any other thoughts to add oh, I think that's perfect I mean, it was, it's a process, it was worth it. And at the end of the day, it's just trying to follow what God wants you to do. And if it is in line with his will, things fall into place and things will happen the way that they need to, to bring that about in your life. So it's really cool. Well, thanks again for hanging out with us. We're so, so happy to be back. And you can expect weekly episodes from here on out again from us. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.